0: Good morning and welcome to episode 26 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. Did you get a chance to subscribe yet? It's all good. If you haven't, I know you're busy, you got lots going on, but I'm bringing new episodes every single day from very talented, unique creatives, designers, illustrators, art directors, all in this creative community sharing their stories. So be sure to head over, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss one. You get pushed to your phone every single day. Also, if you've been listening for a little bit, or at least one episode, head over to iTunes and Spotify and leave a review. I read them all, and I really appreciate them all. Today's guest is Mustali Raj, who is a Canadian independent art director and designer. He's also an executive board member of the GDC of BC. Um, He's a really interesting story. Um, A funny story that he shares with us is how he somehow ended up on a Calgary Stampede promotional poster. Um, he's also taken the, you know, the 30 days of type that you saw on Instagram all over the place. He put his own spin on it and did the 30 days of Ramadan. And if you want to see the designs that he put together for that, the illustrations he did for that, head over to his Instagram at M Raj, that's at M R A J. And one more thing that Mustali shares with us is how he came from a family of doctors and engineers and lawyers and he originally started down that path and then at some point needed to follow his heart and his heart was pulling him in the creative field direction into that design direction. I loved hearing his stories. I know you will too. Let's get into the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Mustali Raj. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So are you ready for a Quickie?
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Quickie Podcast today. My guest is Mustali. Mustali, how are you today?
2: I'm doing good. How are yeah, you?
0: I'm doing great. You ready for the quickie? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself.
2: So, I'm a independent uh, art director and designer currently based out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I started uh actually I started my career in, in engineering of all places back in Calgary. Oh, cool. uh, Where I grew up. Yeah. So, it's um it's been an interesting journey so far. Uh but I'm, I worked at a few agencies out here in Vancouver, started off, you know, kind of more in the advertising world. Mm -hmm. And now I found myself working mostly on brand focused projects. So overall brand identities, Uh, but anything really to do with visual communication design, whether that be, you know, print, uh, doing books, doing digital. Um, It's all about communicating in the medium that works best for the project.
0: And that is an interesting transition going from sort of the, the, the rigorous numbers focused structure of engineering to the free creative world of design. What a transition.
2: Yeah. Um, no, it was, uh, I mean, you know, like with most of us creatives, you know, growing up, we're always like coloring or drawing. There's something that draws us towards that yep. side of things. Right. And, you know, I was always that kid, uh, growing up, um, But I come from a family of doctors, engineers, and in high school or after high school, I I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, It was either, you know, you could go do medicine or you could go engineering. Uh, A lot of my friends were doing engineering, so kind of followed suit.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But uh, it was interesting in my first year, uh, this was University of Calgary. They actually had a creative thinking course that was a year long. Okay. And it was an art instructor that taught that course to engineers.
0: Interesting. Okay.
2: So that was really um, mind-opening, especially as first year. So it's like, oh, well, how do you think about this differently, right? So we do things like biomimicry, looking at nature for inspiration to create our own engineered products. We'd uh, try to come up with creative solutions only using uh, equipment found around the home. And, but the thing was that we only had that course in first year and that was that was it right Mm -hmm. so and the rest of it like you said kind of fell into numbers and calculations and doing things the way things have always been done Mm -hmm. which didn't work for me
0: (laughs) (laughs) the free spirit it didn't work for you
2: no no i i ended up working a couple years uh, in the industry as well um you know the the perks were great people were pretty good uh, but there was that itch right I, i it was just like, you know, you got one shot, one life, why not Yeah, do what you want to do? And that's what brought me to Vancouver. You just didn't feel it. No, just didn't feel it.
0: So then you had mentioned a little bit about this in your first uh, uh, answer here, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about what your childhood was like. And, you know, do you feel that you had a creative childhood in that, you know, that most of your family was the doctors or the engineers, you know, in that structure, um, do you f- still feel that you had a creative childhood, and what made it that way?
2: I think I did, definitely. So my, even though my dad, first of all, my parents. So even though my dad was working in engineering, he, I think I get sort of this art streak from him because he used to paint. He used to do a lot of these things when he was younger. Okay, we still have a lot of his paintings sort of around the house. Um, and I remember my mom. I used to actually go to my mom, uh, you know, after school when I was, you know, grade one, grade two, really young. I remember. And I used to tell her, oh, do you have my drawings ready? So she would draw these animals for me, uh, specifically birds and parrots, I remember. And I used to, like, come home and grab my coloring kit and start, like, coloring them in. Wow, and, so
0: she would draw them and you'd color them in.
2: And I'd color them in, yeah. I wish I'd saved them, but, like, you know, back as a kid, you don't have that hindsight. of life. No, definitely. Um, but maybe my mom has them kept somewhere. I'll have to check in with her. And, you know, uh, my parents always kind of let me do what I wanted to do, you know, try new experiences. I had, uh, you know, I was blessed enough for my family to be able to travel. So we experiencing new places, new things. And, you know, I used to, I feel like I used to take a lot of that in whether it was drawing inspiration from nature like I used to love animals, right? Yeah. I used to love observing animals, um, interacting with them, but also, places we traveled, I think a bit of that sort of stayed with me, even though I didn't realize it at the time and sort of kind of set the stage for things that I'm really passionate about today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, I mean, I remember we used to have art competitions at school and anywhere, like anything sort of creative or artsy was involved. Like I'd always try to get my foot in there, but somewhere along the way, you know, I just kind of took the wrong road or the wrong step.
0: Would you say almost like you started following the family route?
2: Yeah, kind of. And, you know, you kind of get sucked into uh, some of these sort of societal pressures and norms, you know, Mm. like, uh, engineering, medicine, law, these are all like, you know, professions you can be successful at, you can make a lot of money, and you can be comfortable. And, you know, even kind of coming, because I was a first-generation Canadian, so, you know, uh, my family and a lot of other families were had gone through a struggle uh, to kind of establish themselves here. Sort of that mentality sort of carried forward, mm-hmm. forward I think, for a lot of these um, students as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I think definitely things are changing now.
0: Mm-hmm. So before we hit uh, record, we were chatting sort of about um, that you were born in in India, and then you moved around a little bit, just really quickly, where did, how, what's the, the, your, uh, where did you live moving up to getting into Vancouver?
2: So, um, so I was born in Delhi mm-hmm. and I think I was maybe nine months or a year old when we moved, okay. um, uh, to, uh, Saudi Arabia in Jubail. Okay. So there's a huge, you know, uh, oil and gas, industrial developments happening there. There was there were sort of a lot of construction, a lot of development happening. So it was really booming at the time, uh, okay. in sort of the nineties. And after that, uh, we moved to Canada. Like I said, so that was Calgary. Yep. So I spent most of my childhood in Calgary in the cold.
0: Home <laughs> of the Stampede. Yeah.
2: So home of the Stampede. There's actually an ad out there if you Google. With uh somehow I made my way into a Stampede ad with a cowboy hat.
0: Did you really? yeah
2: <laughs> it was uh I, I i have a feeling they were looking for more diversity in the shots <laughs>
0: <laughs> perfect what year was this i would i definitely want to look this up
2: uh let me look it up. I, I believe it was 2016 oh that's funny it's was, it's was funny because uh i was i was just you know at work and then my friend messaged me he's like hey uh you're on tv I'm like, I'm on TV. I'm like, why would I be on TV? He's like, oh, I see you on the big screen uh, at the Stampede grounds. So I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, they ended up using that shot uh, for the closing sequence. So <laughs> it was kind of funny. That is funny. Um, but, yeah.
0: so, so they take us back to when you first started noticing design out in the world. What did you start seeing?
2: So like I said, I it was definitely, you know, flora, fauna, nature. Um, So I was looking at sort of animals and, you know, looking at how the designs, the colors, uh, even though at the time I didn't sort of make that connection of like, oh, this is like really good design or this is something that can be used to create stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just something I was always drawn towards. And even today, like I, for me, it's very important to kind of get out there uh, yep. and draw inspiration or just observe things around me. It's interesting.
0: That seems to be a common theme with um, with a lot of designers and creatives that I talk to is really um, getting into the outdoors.
2: Yeah, there's something about, one, the change of environment, and mm-hmm. there's something about this human connection to the outdoors that brings up or not necessarily even brings up but just triggers that sort of creative side of us as people Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and you know i believe that it's not i mean we use the term creative as a professional distinguisher right you know you're a creative you work in the creative industry but i think that everyone is uh has that creative capability um in you know whatever they do or in whatever aspect of their life
0: Mm -hmm. Um, whether
2: it's baking or maybe maybe they just you know they they just try to figure out new solutions to business problems even but uh, i think that really brings it out in us
0: so if nature and you know being outdoors is is you know part of influencing creative um what then is the been the most influential design of your life so far Either there something you've seen or something you've been a part of
2: so i guess how oh, so there's so there have been so many influences um coming to this point but you know growing up One, I guess, with the sort of travel and the sort of shifts uh, from, you know, even just looking at from the Middle East to Canada. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, in the Middle East, you have, you know, palm trees, you have desert, you have different textures. And then when I came to Calgary, I remember like looking at snow, for example, which kind of was in a way reminiscent of the sand, but completely opposite, uh, you know, the hot, the cold, the colors, Mm -hmm. and uh, got to spend a lot of time, you know, out in the Banff, Canmore area, out in the mountains. um, And part of all those experiences sort of combined with one of the projects that stuck with me was one of my early projects that I worked on. And this was right when I was finishing up high school.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I, it was Mrs. Townshend. I remember her name. So she was, while I was in high school, it was the first year that they had piloted the computer arts program. Okay. And that's where I got introduced to Curl, Draw, Photoshop, all that stuff. But anyways, using that, I started making you know, little posters and designs on the side, as a lot of you know, designers do for friends or just for myself. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends wanted to start a community magazine. So he kind of brought me on board. And I made I remember making all the cover art and some of the layouts for it. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back, it might not be the best design, but I still find that those were very influential uh learning moments in my sort of design career and I have those magazines still like sort of framed um, just as a reminder of like you know where I started and and uh because of those experiences, what it sort of sparked in me to keep kind of going forward. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those covers actually drew inspiration from, you know, like uh, floral motifs and some of the sort of natural landscapes that I had in the back of my mind.
0: That's cool. So they're framed at home or
2: at your place? They're at my parents' place right now, but I've kind of put them aside. That's cool. uh, Definitely, so they don't get know, lost to time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely things <clears throat> that you can hang on to and go back and reflect on as you move throughout your career, you know, that first project.
2: Yes, the first project. Yeah. So
0: then what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? And why was
2: it challenging? And how did you get through it? So it's... I'd it's, the most challenging time was actually maybe the transition. So switching gears from, you know, the corporate engineering world mm-hmm. to this sort of, you know, uh, the creative side of things. Mm-hmm. And even the shift from Calgary to Vancouver, even though inside I knew this is what I wanted to do. But, you know, you're working, uh, you're making a lot of money right out of university. You're, you've got, uh, you, you kind of fall into that sort of comfortable bubble, right? Yep. So kind of starting from scratch again, where, you know, even just looking at things like, uh, salary, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you take like a leap, You take more than like a three-quarter cut, um, and then you're kind of navigating the space where there's so many people who've already had, or at the time it felt like, have a head start because it started when they were, you know, in their teens or in their early twenties, and I'm coming in here like, you know, in my mid-twenties. But as I started going through that process, I realized, you know what? Uh, and for and for a long time, I was. I felt that, you know, I I sort of wasted four or five years of my life doing engineering and working. I could have done this, done that. But now I realize that, you know, no, it's not. It's those, even though it was challenging, the transition and even going through that process, it was part of developing who I am as a designer, right? It's everyone has a different story. And the more diverse that story is to get there, the more, you know, interesting work we can do.
0: Definitely so would you and if you don't want to answer that's totally fine but do you feel <clears throat> pardon me that your parents were encouraging with this with the the role change
2: initially they were a bit hesitant mm-hmm. but once they saw you know how passionate i was and what i could do and the potential the industry they were they were totally supportive oh, that's good. it was during you know it was yeah it was actually in my like you know going out of Going into university, it was kind of a blank slate, right? Like, uh, let's do this, let's do that. But it was around my second year or halfway through when I started doing my internship, that's when I knew, like, you know, maybe engineering isn't for me. But at the time, I wasn't myself. I didn't have the confidence or I didn't have the support system to be like, you know what, maybe I should drop out and try something else. Or, you know, maybe there is opportunity. Because I did start researching schools early on, but it was always kind of like, oh, what if, right? Like, what? It would have been... It was like a distant dream almost. Yeah. But then as I got closer to finishing engineering and I got more mature in like my way of thinking and way of doing things, I was like, you know what? No, anything's possible. Um and because of that shift, I think sort of my parents, but also you know, other people around me saw that as like a source of inspiration in mm-hmm. a way. Because and, and it's always humbling for me because I know uh, a few other people uh, who have made the switch. So one of my classmates who was engineering, again, top of the class, like not just an A student, like an A plus plus student, right? Like, yep. and, and everyone's like, she's built for this. She got the best job out of school, but she was actually sort of falling into depression because that wasn't what she liked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember talking to her and then we just sort of shared stories and uh, she made the switch. Now she's a teacher and she loves it. And uh, it's just, you know, for everyone, it's just finding the way, right? Everyone's built to do something. Yep. And uh, it's just some of us are lucky enough to find that early on and others, it just takes a bit of time.
0: Yep. You know, that that's so true. And that struggle of... You know, making a career change as significant as that, um, you know, you're battling, it's not an easy thing to do when you're battling, you know, look at the salary I'm making. What are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? Like when you're battling that, it makes it tough.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's it's nice to see. Even in my extended family now, a lot of people going into the creative realm, like into fashion, industrial design, animation, right? Yeah, you
0: started a movement.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exciting. That's cool to see.
0: So is there a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like?
2: So I've been following a lot of designers for a while. Mm-hmm. Some of the early ones that I still follow that have been sort of, you know, inspirational and still are today. Let's uh, say one is uh, Reza Abedini. He's uh, uh, he's based out of Iran, but he was uh, quite in- influential at the time of sort of establishing Persian graphic design sort of on the map, and he still sort of paved the. So he still he start, he was one of those. You know, pioneers who started uh, that design movement, and now you see some amazing work coming out of uh, that region. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, more and more, if I'm finding myself, you know, drawn to the eastern part of the world and what's coming out of there. Um, foreign policy out of Singapore does amazing work. I just had the chance to meet uh, their uh, creative director and founder at the Design Thinkers Conference. I think you mu- you must have heard uh, uh, Yaleng speak.
0: I wish I missed uh, I missed oh, a you lot missed- of the talks. Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, their work, if you get a chance, take a look at it, um, is, uh, really amazing. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. and I love how they really get into sort of the research, um, and deeper stories into everything they do. And it's a nice, it's a unique identity, um, because each project is different, but also the style of work they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, being at sort of the crossroads, uh, Singapore being at the crossroads of trade for so long and, you know, different cultures, Uh, really fascinates me. Uh, Sikra Designs is another good one uh, out of Sharjah.
0: Got it, yes. Definitely some ones that I haven't heard of, but I want to check out for sure. So then take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like and how did that feel?
2: So... I guess you know we've all had a lot of those sort of projects. Absolutely. Um, so especially early off, starting off, uh-huh. um, you know, when I was doing my own freelance projects as well, it was, you know, you're you're excited, you want to take on whatever you get, and uh, you want to do the best job you can and change the world, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, some a lot of some of the projects uh, early on that I got onto, which it seemed like that, and then you know, working through it. Slowly, as you get through the project, mm-hmm. you re- you quickly start realizing that oh, this is not what I was expecting it to be. You know, um, there's a lot of restricted creative freedom, and it it turns out being more of not just a production job, but it's very the client has a specific vision of what they want, mm-hmm. but they don't really know what they want, right? And uh, yeah. they don't appreciate uh, or at the time you even figure out they don't value your vision or your approach to things and that can become a very you know difficult project to work on uh when you don't have that drive and you're constantly sort of uh you know fighting or trying to navigate those waters Mm -hmm. and but you know I've realized that now I've learned to say no like you know um no in the sense of like to projects that I and kind of, you know, the red flags or your spidey sense kind of goes off, right? Like this, this won't be a fun experience or for, for both of us potentially. Yep. Uh, and it's better to kind of flag that early on and um, instead of uh, struggling our way through it just because, you know, it's a, a, a design project.
0: Yep. Yep, that's so hard to say no to that, especially earlier on in your freelance career where you're looking at, you know, what does that do to income? What does that do to, you know, my portfolio and my growth and you know yeah. all of that. But yeah, sometimes it's, it's almost less emotionally expensive to pass on
2: it. Exactly. And, yeah. and you know, cause then you can not just take on other projects, but um, you're in a, in a positive state of mind mm-hmm. or, you know, mental state of mind to actually um, pro- progress, but also, you know, make other connections potentially.
0: Yeah. But almost on the other side of that, it's also a really valuable lesson. Oh, totally. Right.
2: Yeah. So take your, you lump, have to take your lumps.
0: You got to go through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so switching gears here, yeah, I want you to take us to a design or a project um, that you are the most proud of, one that makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap.
2: I think I'm still uh, waiting on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. Maybe as creative, it's always like, you know, you're always trying to do better than your last project, right? You're always yeah. like uh, trying to see where you can take it. And mm-hmm. I honestly, like, I don't know if uh, I've had that project yet or I think that project's yet to come. There's a lot of projects that I'm, that I'm happy about and I love and, and I think they're great projects.
0: So would you then say that the biggest sort of design feather in your cap um, is that first project, that magazine, just because it holds that special spot right now?
2: It do- it does. It holds a special spot. Um, maybe not sort of the, the feather in the cap, yep. but it, almost like a feather in my back pocket. <laughs>
0: <Perfect>. <laughs> there's a feather involved but it's not quite up top <laughs> yeah
2: but I mean I've done I've d- actually i did a really a recent project that I'm really uh, proud of it was for um a friend mm-hmm. uh it was uh their wedding invitations
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was really interesting because it was a a mixed race wedding like different cultures coming together so there was that sort of added uh, uh inspiration to the to the design mm-hmm. But there was, I finally got to, you know, apply all the different print techniques that I wanted to. And oh, I'm happy that the client was, you know, they had a good sense of design. They appreciated it and, and we worked together on that. So we had like custom die cuts and we had uh, foils and we had different size stocks and different colored stocks. Uh, so there's five different events, right? And each card we, so each event has its own card and we did something unique for each card. Mm-hmm. But then when you, stack them together it creates a unique design collectively as they do individually so it's you know some of the parts is greater than the whole mm-hmm. so i just finished documenting it last week so stay tuned that's cool uh,
0: that'd be really cool to see a little yeah passion project where you got to flex your print muscles
2: exactly yeah and it was um also it was a really great opportunity to work with different service providers so you yeah. know we did laser cutting and then there was the print and then there was like sourcing the materials we got custom pins made so it was a uh, it was a very holistic project from start to finish concept strategy all the way to like execution
0: you know it sounds like a big wedding
2: yeah it's a pretty big wedding I think it's like 500 <laughs> guests cow. or something
0: yeah. <laughs> crazy um so i wanted to get into this last question here what is one design product tool website or community that you just can't live without
2: my sketchbook
0: That's definitely my sketchbook dude you fired out that answer you had that in the chamber
2: yeah like it's just uh i was, I was thinking about it so I just like hands down like it's funny Any anytime i leave the house or even if I'm sitting at my desk, I need to have a book somewhere I can see mm-hmm. just I might not use it, but I need to be able to see it and i'll if I'm going out uh with friends or whatever I'll usually keep a little mini book in my back pocket or my jacket pocket or in my wife's purse yeah uh- <laughs> but um yeah, and I think also you know travel I don't think I could uh, uh live without that i when I made the switch from Actually, not from engineering. I'm going to make the switch from agency to freelance. Uh-huh. This was back in 2016. One of the reasons I did that is uh, I wanted to take a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia uh-huh. and then you know, just kind of see where what happened, right? So that's what I did. And I ended up kind of traveling for nine months, just working remotely, uh, which was an incredible experience. Highly recommended if you're able to do it. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'll see if I can get my three kids on board. and that's a great answer i love that so the sketchbook and traveling um and seeing the world
2: yeah i mean people who haven't uh, traveled is such a humbling experience right and and, i mean you know like the more you see the less you realize the less you know or the less you've seen and that that curiosity uh, that's common to all of us right we have that as kids and we retain that or at least a portion of it as we become adults. Mm -hmm. And uh, that pushes us forward.
0: That's awesome. Mr. that's the last of my questions. I really want to thank you so much for being on the Quickie Podcast today.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Your host, Dave, hopping on at the end here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Episode 27 goes up tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Stay classy.